You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The colonization of the moon is a proposed establishment of permanent human communities or robotic industries on the moon. Discovery of Lunar Water at the Lunar Poles by Chandrayaan-1 has renewed interest in the moon. Polar colonies could also avoid the problem of long lunar nights, about 354 hours, which is a little more than two weeks, and take advantage of the sun continuously at least during the local summer. Permanent human habitation on a planetary body other than the Earth is one of science fiction's most prevalent themes. As technology has advanced and concerns about the future of humanity on Earth have increased, the argument that space colonization is an achievable and worthwhile goal has gained momentum. Because of its proximity to Earth, the moon has been seen as the most obvious natural expansion after the Earth. There are also various projects in near future by space tourism startup companies for tourism to the moon. The notion of a lunar colony originated before the Space Age. In 1638, Bishop John Wilkins wrote, A Discourse Concerning a New World and Another Planet, in which he predicted a human colony on the moon. Konstantin Tchovosky, born 1857, died 1935 among others, also suggested such a step. From the 1950s onward, 
A number of concepts and designs have been suggested by scientists, engineers, and others. In 1954, science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke proposed a lunar base of inflatable modules covered in lunar dust for insulation. A spaceship assembled in low Earth orbit would launch to the moon and astronauts would set up the igloo-like modules and an inflatable radio mast. Subsequent steps would include the establishment of a larger, permanent dome, an algae-based air purifier, a nuclear reactor for the provision of power, and electromagnetic cannons to launch cargo and fuel to interplanetary vessels in space. In 1959, John S. Reinhardt suggested that the safest design would be a structure that could float in a stationary ocean of dust. Since there were, at the time of this concept was outlined, theories that there could be a mile-deep dust oceans on the moon. The proposed design consisted of a half-cylinder with half-domes at both ends with a micrometeoid shield placed above the base. Project Horizon was a 1959 study regarding the United States Army's plan to establish a fort on the moon by the year 1967. Heinz Hermann Kola, a German rocket engineer of the Army Ballistic Missile Agency, led the Project Horizon study. It was proposed that the first landing would be carried out by two soldier astronauts in 1965, and that more construction workers would soon follow. It was thought that through numerous launches, 61 Saturn I and 88 Saturn II, 245 tons of cargo could be transported to the outpost by the year 1966. The Lunex project was a U.S. Air Force 1958 plan for a manned lunar landing prior to the Apollo program. The final lunar expedition plan in 1961 was for a 21 airman underground Air Force base on the moon by the year 1968 at a total cost of $7.5 billion. The primary distinction between the later Apollo missions and the Lunex was the orbital rendezvous maneuver. The Lunex vehicle, composed of a landing module and a lifting body return re-entry module, would land the entire vehicle and all astronauts on the surface. Whereas the final Apollo mission involved a separate ascent module, leaving the command module and service module connected in lunar orbit with a single astronaut. The original plan for Apollo was for direct ascent, similar to Lunex.
Lunix planned to make its first landing in a return in 1967 in order to beat the Soviets and demonstrate conclusively that America could win future international competition in technology with the Soviet Union. The Air Force felt that no achievement short of a lunar landing would have the required historical significance. The use of the direct ascent profile was considered to be the most promising because it eliminated some of the complexity of the lunar orbit rendezvous that would later be used by Apollo. In particular, there would be no need to develop rendezvous techniques in space. The downside was that the Lunik spacecraft would be much heavier than Apollo to carry the extra fuel required to land the entire spacecraft on the moon and return it to lunar orbit. And consequently, a larger rocket would, would be required to send it to the moon. The main problems to be solved were re-entry at 37,000 feet per second with the flight plan, with the flight path within a two degree angle to avoid overheating or skipping out of the Earth's atmosphere. The latter wouldn't kill the crew directly, but would leave the Earth return spacecraft in an elliptical orbit where they might be exposed to excessive radiation in the Van Allen belts before the next re-entry opportunity. Another problem was the development of lunar landing stage, which would have to make a precision landing tail first on rocket thrusts, something never previously tested back then. Development of the lunar launching stage, which had no backup capability so must be extremely reliable and capable of an automatic checkout on the lunar surface and capable of putting the crew into the correct orbit to return to Earth. In 1962, John DeNike and Stanley Zahn published their idea of a subsurface base located at the Sea of Tranquility. This base would house a crew of 21 in modules placed four meters below the surface, which was believed to provide radiation shielding on par with Earth's atmosphere. Danike and Zahn favored nuclear reactors for energy production because they were more efficient than solar panels and would also overcome the problems with long lunar nights. For the life support system, an algae-based gas exchanger was proposed. As of 2006, Japan planned to have a moon base in the year 2030. And as of 2007, Russia planned to have a moon base in the years somewhere between 2027 and 2032. In 2007, 
the International Space University in France said people should plan to preserve humanity's culture in the event of a civilization, civilization stopping asteroid impact with the Earth. A lunar Noah's Ark was proposed. Subsequent planning may have been taken up by the International Lunar Exploration Working Group. In January 2012, a speech given by Newt Gingrich, Republican candidate for the President of the United States of America, proposed a plan to build a U.S. moon colony by the year 2020. The physical exploration of the moon began when a Luna 2, a space probe launched by the Soviet Union, made an impact on the surface of the moon on September 14, 1959. Prior to that, the only available means of exploration had been observation from Earth. The invention of the optical telescope brought about the first leap in the quality of lunar observations. Galileo Galilei is generally credited as the first person to use a telescope for astronomical purposes, having made his own telescope in 1609. The mountains and craters on the lunar surface were among his first observations using it. NASA's Apollo program was the first and to date only mission to successfully land humans on the moon. The first landing took place in 1969 when astronauts placed scientific instruments and returned lunar samples to Earth. But thoughts about the moon go back even further. The ancient Greek philosopher Anaxagoras, who died in 428 BC, reasoned that the sun and moon were both giant spherical rocks and that the latter reflected the light of the former. His non-religious views of the heavens was one cause for his imprisonment and eventually exile. In his little book, On the Face of the Moon's Orb, Plutarch suggested that the moon had deep recesses in which the light of the sun did not reach and that the spots were nothing but the shadows of rivers or deep chasms. He also entertained the possibility that the moon was inhabited Astarcharis went a step further and computed the distance from Earth together with its size, obtaining a value of 20 times the Earth's radius for the distance. The real value is 60 times the Earth's radius. The Earth's radius was roughly known since Eratosthenes. Although the Chinese of the Han Dynasty, which went from 200 BC to 200 AD, believed the moon to be energy equated to Qi, their radiating influence theory recognized that the light of the moon was merely 
a reflection of the sun. This was supported by mainstream thinkers such as Jing Fang, who noted the sphericity of the moon. Shen Ku, who lived from 1031 to 1095 of the Song Dynasty, created an allegory equating the waxing and waning of the moon to a round ball of reflective silver that, when doused with white powder and viewed from the side, would appear to be a crescent. By 499 AD, the Indian astronomer Arabahata mentioned in his Arabahatiya that reflected sunlight is the cause behind the shining of the moon. Habash al-Hasib al-Marwazi, a Persian astronomer, conducted various observations at al-Shimishaya Observatory in Baghdad between the years 825 and 835 AD. Using these observations, he estimated the moon's diameter as 3,037 kilometers, equivalent to 1,519 kilometer radius, and its distance from the Earth at 346,345 kilometers, or 215,209 miles, which comes close to the currently accepted values. Not too bad. In the 11th century, the Islamic physicist Al-Hazan investigated moonlight, which he proved through experimentation originates from sunlight and correctly concluded that it emits light from those portions of its surface which the sunlight strike. By the Middle Ages, before the invention of the telescope, an increasing number of people began to recognize the moon as a sphere, although many believed that it was perfectly smooth. In 1609, Galileo Galilei drew one of the first telescope drawings of the moon in his book, Sidereus Nuncius, and noted that it was not smooth, but had mountains and craters. Later in the 17th century, Giovanni Battista Riccoli and Francesco Maria Grimaldi drew a map of the moon and gave many craters the names they still have today. On maps, the dark parts of the moon's surface were called maria, or singular mare, which means seas, and the light parts were called terra, or continents. Thomas Harriot, as well as Galileo, drew the first telescopic representation of the moon and observed it for several years. His drawings, however, remained unpublished. 
The first map of the moon was made by the Belgian cosmographer and astronomer Michael Florent van Langren in the year 1645. Two years later, a much more influential effort was published by Johannes Hevelius. In 1647, Hevelius published Selenographia, the first treaty entirely devoted to the moon. Hevelius' nomenclature, although used in Protestant countries until the 18th century, was replaced by the system published in 1651 by the Jesuit astronomer Giovanni Battista Roccoli who gave the large naked eye spots the names of seas and the telescopic spots, now called craters, the names of philosophers and astronomers. In 1753, the Croatian Jesuit and astronomer Roger Joseph Boscovich discovered the absence of atmosphere on the moon. In 1824, Franz von Gruthsen explained the formation of craters as a result of meteorite strikes. The possibility that the moon contains vegetation and is inhabited by selenites was seriously considered by majors astronomers even in the first decades of the 19th century. In 1834, William Beer and John Henrik Madler published their four-volume Mappa Selenographica and the book Der Monde in 1937, which firmly established the conclusion that the moon had no bodies of water, nor any appreciable atmosphere. Then there was the space race. The Cold War-inspired space race and moon race between the Soviet Union and the United States of America accelerated with a focus on the moon. This included many scientific important firsts, such as the first photographs of the then unseen far side of the moon. In 1959, the Soviet Union and culminated with the landing of the first humans on the moon in 1969, widely seen around the world as one of the pivotal events of the 20th century and indeed of human history in general. The first man-made object to reach the moon was the unmanned Soviet probe Luna 2, which made a hard landing on September 14, 1959, at 21 hours, 2 minutes, and 24 seconds UTZ. The far side of the moon was first photographed on October 7, 1959 by the Soviet probe Luna 3. Though vague by today's standards, the photos showed that the far side of the moon almost completely lacked Maria. 
In an effort to compete with the Soviet successes, U.S. President John F. Kennedy proposed the national goal of landing a human on the moon. He spoke to a joint session of Congress on May 26, 1961 and said, First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. The Soviets nonetheless remained in the lead for some time. Luna 9 was the first probe to soft land on the moon and transmit pictures from the lunar surface on February 3, 1966. It was proven that a lunar lander would not sink into a thick layer of dust as had been feared. The first artificial satellite on the moon was the Soviet probe Luna 10, launched March 31st 1966. On December 24, 1968, the crew of Apollo 8, Frank Borman, James Lovell, and William Anders became the first human beings to enter lunar orbit and see the far side of the moon in person. Humans first landed on the moon on July 20, 1969. The first human to walk on the lunar surface was Neil Armstrong commander of the U.S. mission Apollo 11. The first robot lunar rover to land on the moon was the Soviet vessel Lunokhod 1 on November 17, 1970 as part of the Lunokhod program. To date, the last human to stand on the moon was Eugene Cernan, who was part of the mission Apollo 17 walked on the moon in December 1972. Mo moon rock samples were brought back to Earth by three Luna missions, Luna 16, Luna 20, and Luna 24, and the Apollo missions 11 through 17, except Apollo 13, which aborted its planned lunar landing. From the mid-1960s to the mid-70s, there were 65 moon landings, with 10 in 1971 alone. But after Luna 24 in 1976, they suddenly stopped. The Soviet Union started focusing on Venus and space stations, and the U.S. on Mars and beyond, and on the Skylab and space shuttle programs. Before the moon race, the U.S. had pre-projects for scientific and military moon bases, the Lunex project and the Project Horizon. Besides manning, manned landings, the abandoned Soviet manned lunar program included the building of a multi-purpose moon base, Zvezda, the first detailed project complete with developed mock-ups of expedition vehicles and surface modules. In 1990, Japan visited the moon with the Hyten spacecraft, becoming the third country to place an object in orbit around the moon. 
The spacecraft released the Hangoromo probe into lunar orbit, but the transmitter failed, thereby preventing further scientific use of the mission. In September 2007, Japan launched the Saline Project spacecraft with the objectives to obtain scientific data of the lunar origin and evolution and to develop the technology for the future lunar exploration. The European Space Agency launched a small, low-cost lunar orbital probe called SMART-1 on September 27, 2003. SMART-1's primary goal was to take three-dimensional X-ray and infrared imagery on the lunar surface. SMART-1 entered lunar orbit on November 15, 2004 and continued to make observations until September 3, 2006, when it was intentionally crashed onto the lunar surface in order to study the impact plume. China has begun the Chinese Lunar Exploration Program for exploring the moon and its investigation the prospects of lunar mining, specifically looking for the isotope helium-3 for use as an energy source on Earth. China launched the Chang'e 1 robotic lunar orbiter on October 24, 2007. Originally planned for a one-year mission, the Chang'e 1 mission was very successful and ended up being extended for another four months. On March 1, 2009, Chang-1 was intentionally impacted on the lunar surface, completing the 16-month mission. On October 1, 2010, China launched the Chang-2 lunar orbiter. China landed the rover Chang-3 on the moon on December 14, 2013, became the third country to have done so. Chang-3 is now the first spacecraft to soft land on the lunar surface since Luna 24 in 1976. India's National Space Agency, Indian Space Research Organization, launched Chandrayaan-1, an unmanned lunar orbiter, on October 22, 2008. The lunar probe was in, originally intended to orbit the moon for two years, with scientific objectives to prepare a three-dimensional atlas of the near and far side of the moon, and to conduct a chemical and mineralogical mapping of the lunar surface. The unmanned moon impact probe landed on the moon at 15.04 GMT on November 14, 2008 making India the fourth country to touch down on the lunar surface. Among its many achievements was the discovery of the widespread presence of water molecules in lunar soil. The Ballistic Missile Defense Organization and NASA launched the Clementine mission in 1994 and Lunar Prospector in 1998. 
NASA launched the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter in June 18, 2009, which has collected imagery of the moon's surface. It has also carried the Lunar Crater Observation and Sensing Satellite, known as LACROSS, which investigated the possible existence of water in the Cabeus Crater. GRAIL is another mentioned mission launched in the year 2011. The first commercial mission to the moon was accomplished by the Manfred Memorial Moon Mission, led by Lux Space, an affiliate of the German space company OHBAG. The Manfred Memorial Moon Mission made a moon flyby on a night on the night of October 28, 2014, after which it entered elliptical Earth orbit, exceeding its design lifetime by four times. Future lunar missions. Following the abandoned U.S. Constellation program, plans for manned flights followed by moon bases were declared by Russia, Europe, China, Japan, and India. All of them intend to continue the exploration of the moon with more unmanned spacecraft. China plans to conduct a sample return mission with its Chang-5 spacecraft in 2017. It will also send Chang-4, the backup model of Chang-3's lander, to the lunar far side in 2018. Since the Chang-3 mission was a success, the backup lander Chang-4 is repurposed for the mission to the far side, which will be the first time it is attempted by any of the spacefaring nations. India expects to launch another lunar mission by 2018, the Chandrayaan-2, which placed a motorized rover on the moon. Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency plans a manned lunar landing around 2020 that would lead to an manned lunar base by 2030. However, there is no budget yet for this project and the plan reverts to robotic missions. Russia also announced to resume its previously frozen project, Luna Globe, an unmanned lander and orbiter which is slated to launch in 2016. In 2015, Roscosmos stated that Russia plans to place an astronaut on the moon by 2030, leaving Mars to NASA. The purpose is to work jointly with NASA and avoid a space race. Germany also was announced in March 2007 would launch a national lunar orbiter, LEO, in 2012. However, the mission was canceled due to budgetary constraints. In August 2007, NASA stated that all future missions and explorations of the moon will be done entirely using the metric system. This was done to improve cooperation with the space agencies of other countries, which already use the metric system. The European Space Agency has also announced its intention to send 
a manned mission to the moon as part of the Aurora program. In September 2010, the agency introduced a lunar lander program with a target of autonomous missions to the moon in 2018. On September 13, 2007, the XPRIZE Foundation, in concert with Google, announced the Google Lunar XPRIZE. The contest requires competitors to land a privately funded robotic rover on the moon that is capable of completing several mission objectives, including roaming the lunar surface for at least 500 meters and sending video images and data back to Earth. In March 2014, SpaceX indicated that while their current focus is not on lunar space transport, they will consider commercial launch contracts for one-off mission to the moon. Water discovered on the moon. Lunar water is water that is present on the moon. Liquid water cannot persist at the moon's surface, and water vapor is decomposed by sunlight, with hydrogen quickly lost to outer space. However, scientists have since the 1960s conjectured that water ice could survive in cold, permanently shadowed water craters at the moon poles. Water molecules are also detected in the thin layer of gases above the lunar surface. Water, which is H2O, and the chemically related hydroxyl group OH, can also exist in forms chemically bound up as hydrates and hydroxides to lunar minerals, rather than as free water. And evidence strongly suggests that this is indeed the case in low concentrations over much of the moon's surface. In fact, absorbed water is calculated to exist at trace concentrations of 10 to 1,000 parts per million. In 1978, it was reported that samples returned by the Soviet Luna 24 probe contained 0.1% water by mass sample. Inconclusive evidence of free water ice at the lunar poles was accumulated from a variety of observations suggesting that the presence of bound hydrogen. On November 18, 2008, the moon impact probe was released from India's Chandrayaan-1 at a height of 100 kilometers, or 62 miles. During its 25-minute descent, the impact probe's Chandra altitudinal composition recorded evidence of water in 650 mass spectras gathered in the thin atmosphere above the moon's surface. In September 2009, NASA payload Moon Mineralogy Mapper onboard Chandrayaan-1 detected water on the moon's surface and hydroxyl absorption lines in reflected sunlight. On November 2009, NASA reconfirmed water on the moon 
with this LaCrosse space probe, which detected a significant amount of hydroxyl group in the material thrown up from the south polar crater by an impactor. This may be attributed to water-bearing materials, what appears to be near-pure crystalline water ice. In March 2010, it was reported that the mini-SAR on board Chandrayaan-1 had discovered more than 40 permanently darkened craters near the moon's north pole that are hypothesized to contain an estimated 600 million metric tons or 1.3 trillion pounds of water ice. Water may have been delivered to the moon over geologic timescales by the regular bombardment of water-bearing comets, asteroids, and meteoroids, or continuously produced in situ by the hydrogen ions of the solar wind impacting oxygen-bearing minerals. The search for presence of lunar water has attracted considerable attention and motivated several recent lunar missions, largely because of water's usefulness in rendering long-term lunar habitation possible. On September 24, 2009, Science Magazine reported that the Moon Mineralogy Mapper on the Indian Space Research Organization Chandrayaan-1 had detected water on the Moon. The Moon Mineralogy Mapper detected absorption features near the 2.8 to 3.0 micrometers on the surface of the Moon. For silicate bodies, such features are typically attributed to the hydroxyl and or water-bearing materials. On the Moon, the feature is seen as widely distributed absorption that appears strongest at cooler, high latitudes and at several fresh, feldspathic craters. The general lack of correlation of the feature in the sunlit M3 data with neutron spectrometer hydrogen abundance data suggests that the formation and retention of OH and H2O is an ongoing surficial process. OH-H2O production processes may feed polar cold traps and make the lunar regolith a candidate source of volatiles for human exploration. The Moon Mineralogy Mapper, an imaging spectrometer, was one of 11 instruments on board the Chandrayaan-1, whose mission came to a premature end on August 29, 2009. The M3 was aimed at providing the first mineral map of the entire lunar surface. Lunar scientists had discussed the possibility of water repositories for decades. They are now increasingly confident that the decades-long debate is over. The moon, in fact, has water in all sorts of places, not just locked up in minerals, but scattered throughout the broken-up surface and potentially in blocks or sheets of ice at depth. The result from the Chandrayaan missions are also offering a wide array of watery signals.
with the possibility of ice in the floors of polar lunar craters, was first suggested in 1961 by Caltech researcher Kenneth Watson, Bruce Murray, and Harrison Brown. Although trace amounts of water were found in lunar rock samples collected by Apollo astronauts, this was assumed to be a result of contamination, and the majority lunar surface was generally assumed to be completely dry. However, in 2008, a study of lunar rock samples revealed evidence of water molecules trapped in volcanic glass beads. The first direct evidence of water vapor near the moon was obtained by Apollo 14 on March 7, 1971. A series of bursts of water vapor ions were observed by instrument mass spectrometers at the lunar surface near the Apollo 14 landing site. The presence of large quantities of water on the moon would be an important factor in rendering lunar habitation cost-effective since transporting water or hydrogen and oxygen from Earth would be prohibitively expensive. If future investigations find the quantities to be particularly large, water ice could be mined to provide liquid water for drinking and plant propagation. And the water could also be split into hydrogen and oxygen by solar panel equipped electronic power stations or a nuclear generator providing breathable oxygen as well as the components of rocket fuel. The hydrogen component of water ice could also be used to draw out the oxides in the lunar soil and harvest even more oxygen. Analysts of lunar ice would also provide scientific information about the impact history of the moon and the abundance of comets and asteroids in the early inner solar system. The hypothetical discovery of usable quantities of water on the moon may rise and lead to legal questions about who owns the water and who has the rights to exploit it. Sound familiar? The United Nations Outer Space Treaty does not prevent the exploration of lunar resources, but does prevent the appropriation of the moon by individual nations and is generally interpreted as barring countries from claiming ownership of in situ resources. However, most legal experts agree that the ultimate test of the questions will arise through precedence of national or private activity. Some private companies, such as the Shackleton Energy Company, are already asserting their right to own whatever resources they remove and or benefit from the moon or asteroids through their own effort, risk, and investment. The Moon Treaty specifically stipulates that exploration of lunar resources is to be governed by an international regime, but this treaty has not been ratified by any of the space-faring nations. In March 2010, NASA reports that the finding of its mini-SAR radar aboard Chandarian-1 
were consistent with ice deposits at the moon's north pole. It's estimated at least 600 million tons of ice at the North Pole in sheets of relatively pure ice, at least a couple of meters thick. In March 2014, researchers who had previously published reports on possible abundance of water on the moon reported new findings that refined their predictions substantially lower. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.